Thank you for joining us on another episode of Som and Sommer with Floyd and Aaron. And Aaron, as you can tell, we have been making it a big time. And we are on medium.com, which is great for us. We're actually, you know, posted an, an online article about our podcast. So that's great. But now we're booking guests. We're booking some big time guests and we're very happy about it. So on tonight's podcast, we have Julie Petrincelli St. John. And she is the vice president, third generation family owner of Pedrincelli Winery. And we are happy to have her on. Hi. Well, let's, give a little, let's give a little clap. There we go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank welcome, you. Welcome. I, I take a bow when I'm sitting. So <laughs> nobody can see anyway. Yeah, nobody can see good. it. <laughs> good. I figured it was a podcast and nobody could see. But <laughs> Nobody's going to see our faces. They're just going to hear our voices, which is always great because we can dress the way we want to and not care anymore. Hey, I'm wearing um, slippers. So woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we are so happy to have you on. And I'm very happy that we were able to put this together with our distributor through Fedway and a gentleman named Seth uh, Proper, I believe his name is. Yes. And I just want to give him a big shout out. And uh, also my uh, rep from Fedway, Christina. Big shout out to her too, because she helped put this all together. Thanks. And we are just, we're very happy that we're bringing this lineup into our podcast because as the owner of Unwind Boutique in Milburn, this was a lineup I really, truly enjoyed selling in my store because I think it just really, it, I feel like it's underrated. And I think it's something that we can really get on this podcast and kind of really talk to the people and are out, out there and kind of start promoting this a little bit more and having people try these wines because I think they're really, really good. And they're solid buys. And I'm just happy to have you on. And we're going to taste through some of the wines that you have and some of the wines that I sell at my store and then some other wines that I don't sell as of yet, but we'll bring in. So sure I'm here with my co-host, Aaron. And uh, we wanted just to kind of go through, we're going to start with uh, one of the wines. We're going to just kind of jump right into it. Mm -hmm. uh, start with the Chardonnay. Um, so we just wanted to kind of take a test. Uh, and just see and, you know, talk about a little bit, but then also, you know, just pick your brain a little bit, Julie. Sure. I would be happy to. Here, I'm going to pour a little Chardonnay myself. Okay. Get going. Get the party going. It's All right. Work is over getting, for me. I'm getting beyond the uh, beyond the stone fruit I normally get. I'm going like kind of straight to tropical fruit here. That's kind of interesting for Napa Valley Chardonnay. Well... Interestingly enough, it's a Sonoma County Chardonnay. Oops, Sonoma County. <laughs> See, I've already failed for it. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So I could let you go, but you know. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to right, signing family. off. You got to hold them accountable. It'll just no, be no. me and you, Julie, no, going no, forward. No. Okay, goodbye. Gone. <laughs> foot, foot in mouth. I have not done my homework. Don't worry. Okay. Well, that's what I'm here for. So I can I can give you a little information. So you wanted to know about our Chardonnay. The Chardonnay that uh, we have here is our signature selection Chardonnay. We make two different styles. We make this one, which is the larger, the lion's share of uh, our Chardonnay production. Uh, and the other one is a smaller lot, 100% barrel fermented. Interestingly enough about this wine, it's 90% stainless steel and 10% uh, barrel ferment. So you kind of have, you have the best of both worlds, but with more of a focus on fruit. And that's really part of our style. Um, our winemaker, Montsevris, she um, loves to say we make very varietally correct wines. So starting off with the Chardonnay, you'll see that, uh, you know, you've got some lushness here. You've got that... Um, 
because there's just a touch of oak, you've got a touch of a complexity, but for the most part is more of a focus on what I would say is more of the apple um, kind of pr uh, profile of Chardonnay. Uh, you were mentioning tropical fruit, definitely. Um, another oh, honeydew too, right? Another interesting thing about this is where it comes from. It says Dry Creek Valley on the label. And it is from a vineyard that we have been sourcing um, since they planted Chardonnay, basically, in the late 70s, early 80s. We grew Chardonnay at our end of the valley. We're at the north end of Dry Creek Valley. This vineyard is on the Appalachian line between Dry Creek and Russian River Valley. So you are trying what is pretty much a more cool climate, Chardonnay. And what that brings to the to the glass here is more of uh, there's a there's a little more acidity. There's it's not a flabby Chardonnay, and um, it's a little more acidity and a little more what I would call minerality. So you know, kind of think along the lines of kind of gravelly, but not not quite. But it's in the underlying aromatics of it. Um, there's just that touch there. Um, yeah, it definitely has. It has that nose, that feel of like it's present. It's giving you everything. It's kind of presenting you with all these qualities of a Chardonnay that some people might say, "Oh, wow, I typically love you know heavier style shards, right?" With that mm -hmm. tropical, you know, pie crusty feel. It right. kind of gives you hints of it. It's kind of just touching each nerve mm -hmm. a little bit and making you happy. And you're definitely getting that minerality where it's driven more, like when you're tasting it. So. I read a little bit more about you. So you, so food pairing. If I was to say, because I read that you're you're you soon you're going to write a book. You're going to talk about food pairing I with wine and food. You hope. <laughs> <laughs> so what is something I would technically, if somebody came in my store and said, mm -hmm. I I like the Chardonnay. What would I pair it with? What would you recommend if we were going to pair something with the Chardonnay? With this one, since it's a little bit lighter style, uh, but it has that nice acidity to it, I would suggest either a pasta with a light cream sauce. So we're talking, you know, just a touch of butter, maybe a touch of cream and that kind of thing, maybe a little bit of lemon zest and those kinds of things to kind of pull it together. Um, of course, you know, I love, I love grilled prawns. And so for me, grilled prawns with this would be a perfect pairing, um, maybe with a touch again of that lemon zest in there uh, when you marinate the, the prawns. Um, Probably a favorite would be, I well, we're getting off of winter, but one of my favorites to pair in the wintertime is butternut squash soup. So I kind of gave you like a, a, a spectrum of foods, um, but it, it tends to go well with air, with a little, maybe that little touch of bacon in the butternut squash soup or that little touch of cream and butter in the pasta sauce. So it really kind of pairs nicely with those kinds of things. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, definitely. That nose is like, it, it just gives you so many different things. And I think it's very versatile. So like when people come into the store and they're always like, well, I like Rumbauer. Mm -hmm. I like all these heavy, oaky, buttery, you know, like these shards that are just, and I always say, well, if you want to get hints of it, you want to get there, but you don't want to fully be driven with this heavy shard. I always lean them towards this Chardonnay because I just think it's a quality shard that kind of goes, it can, it's very versatile. I'll just say that. It's kind of like a utility baseball player can play any position in the baseball field kind of. Yes. So I love the shard. Thank you so much for that. Oh, I heard, well. um, I heard, I heard this uh, kind of rumor that you could take sort of a fuller body Chardonnay and actually pair it with certain steaks too. Now, is that sort of something to account for if you want to kind of be a little bit bolder beyond the normal pairings? Because 
I have heard that that sometimes does work, like maybe a nice steak salad. You know, that would be great. I'd put, you know, maybe a little Manchego cheese in there with the, the steak rather than blue. Um, I would change up a few things, maybe put some toasted almonds and things like that. But yes, I think you could get away with it. I think I think it has the stuffing just to even go if you wanted a few bites of steak with it. I think it would be great. I don't know that a ribeye <laughs> with blue cheese and mushrooms or something would would be perfect. But I definitely think you could get away with it with a salad. See, I always kind of go with the whole instinct of saying that, you know, you have to kind of stick to certain traditional pairings, but also be willing to break the rules as well. Yes. That's with important. Some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, you know, years, I'll just tell a really quick story. Years ago, we were pouring wine at an event and um, we were next to a bakery of all things and they had cookies. That's all they had. Every kind of cookie you could think of. So we we had about six wines with us. So we ended up, since we were next to a bakery, we paired each one of our wines with a cookie from their bakery. And wow. it turns out that uh, coconut macaroons, a little chocolate drizzle goes well with our rosé, and snickerdoodles are paired perfectly with our mother clones in. <laughs> oh, wow. I guess. Never would have thought that. Interesting. And I feel like we're skipping ahead. Very interesting. Dinner, but. I know. We skipped ahead. But we'll, we'll preview that. That's what I'll put. We're coming back. In. I don't know why we're you didn't get snickerdoodles for this, Floyd. I don't know why we did. Why do we, get, why do we think of cookies? You should have shipped some snickerdoodles out to Sonoma. I, Sonoma. I know. I should have shipped some. Yeah, baked them and shipped them. That's one of my, my favorites to bake is snickerdoodles. So. And but I, you know what? I always find that like sweets are really tough to pair with drier wines. Like unless to port. And so, like, we, we've talked about this, how, like, certain chocolates even, it's, like, people think that wedding cake and champagne and chocolate and cab go, right. but that's just kind of, like, a weird myth. So, I always find it fascinating when somebody says, I have a Zin, and it actually pairs with this, like, lovely little treat for dessert. I, I love stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, now we now we're not cut off guard when somebody comes into the store and says, I have cookies. What's a good wine that goes with it? Now we can answer them. See, now we got the answer. There we go. All right, so let's move on to the next yeah. wine that we have. Perfect. It's the Sauvignon Blanc. Right. Uh pour that. All right. In fact, well, you know, one of the best pairings, if we're talking about pairings, and we we don't make champagne while we're in California, but one of my favorites is, you know, popcorn. Everybody talks about it, you know, and there's all different kinds of flavors of popcorn out there. So, I mean, hey, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I always question. thought that buttery shard went with buttery popcorn from yeah. what I've yeah. heard. It would be per a little Parmesan cheese. Oh, wow. And... Of course, I'm a big fan of chili flakes, anything. I know that everybody puts them on pizza and stuff, but I have a shaker right by my my stove. And if I have a chance, if I can do it, pepper flakes go into the food, <laughs> except for dessert. I don't know. Spice <laughs> spice gets to me. I have my limits with spice. Uh, no, I love spice. How about I you, in a lot of Yeah, I, I always put pepper flakes in a lot of stuff. I eat. Yeah, no, I that and sometimes I put ginger. That's another thing I put in. Oh, like pa yes. like pasta sauce, I add ginger because it adds a little spiciness to it. It's nice. Zing. It's definitely, a little yeah, a little zing. <laughs> All right. All right. So we we, opened, so, uh, we have the Pension Chelly yes. Sauvignon Blanc in front of us, and it's from Sonoma Here County, Aaron. Okay. Just in case you didn't hear that. Wait, Floyd, where was that from again? It's from Sonoma. Got it. Okay. <laughs> By the way, just so you know, Floyd just gave me a straight up box with mason jars <laughs> and said, get off my property. This is for tonight. So that's <laughs> all I really know <laughs> about what we're doing. But I do have a few 
questions as it relates to the winery, but just to let you know, this is how Floyd treats me. So yeah. sorry about mixing up <laughs> oh, napkins. All right. <laughs> that, that is okay. Really? We're, we're very, where we, we share a border to the East of us. Well, not we, the winery, but the County itself. Uh, but let's talk a little bit. We'll talk. Yes. We'll talk further about location and where we are and all of that, but let's talk about the Sauvignon Blanc. It smells. We, Oh, thank you. Oh, well, yes. And that's, like I said, this is why I like to do it second because it's got these beautiful, oh my gosh, just wonderful aromatics. Um, so we grow, we farm 115 acres in our end of Dry Creek Valley over four different pieces of property. We only have one white grape, Sauvignon Blanc. And this is it. It's 100% estate, 100% Sauvignon Blanc and no oak at all. So really what you're getting is from the grapevine to the tank ferments and a few months later it's bottled. So you've got the 2019, which is, oh, it's just tasting beautifully about a year after it's been in bottle. Um, I get, you know, we were talking about tropical fruit earlier. There's something interesting that our winemaker does with this wine. She picks, we have 11 acres. So there's seven acres on one side and four acres on the other. She picks one early, so about mid third week of August, and then she waits about a week or two for the next one because what she wants to do is still get a little touch of grassiness from the Sauvignon Blanc grape, mm -hmm. but the second picking is what gives us the tropical fruit core. And so you've just got this wonderful combination that she has crafted over the last few years. She's been our winemaker since 2015, but has worked as an assistant winemaker since 2007 when my uncle was still alive. And so when he passed, she became our winemaker. And she had just, she really loves the Sauvignon Blanc and she really works with the vineyard to get the, these layers. She's working for the layers rather than just picking it all at once and hoping for the best. I definitely get like a little bit of touch of that, like kind of, I, I don't want to call it sweetness, but I, I think that's where you talk about the tropical note. Right. It's kind of like when it goes from sort of like grapefruit and zest, and it kind of has a little bit of like this aftertaste, like almost like a little bit of like pineapple or guava at the end. You know, it, it kind of shifts a little bit and kind of reminds me of like kind of um, like that mixing of old world and new world mm -hmm. a little bit. Right. And that's a that's a great description of what we do at, with our wines. We're in California, but we definitely have that old world sensibility about winemaking. Yeah, I was, was going to ask it has that how, nose of like, I'm sorry, it has that nose of like, that's, it, it, that's what I'm getting that mineral driven, like on the nose and mm -hmm. getting a little bit of like that citrusy, like, it kind of reminds me of like a Sancerre when you smell a Sancerre that you smell like the stone, the gravelly, you smell like the mineral, it's, it has that drive to it, which is really, really nice. Yeah. Thank you. How often do you, I guess, with wine to wine here, do you pay homage to like somewhere like, I don't know. I guess we're, we're about to start the Pinot Noir, but like maybe paying homage to Burgundy or sometimes paying homage to Sancerre or even like New Zealand versus kind of saying we're going to stick to what we've been doing since 1927 in California. Right. We, I think 
it, I think the beauty of making wine in uh, the world we are in today is there's such a global reach. This is what's so fascinating about wine. We can taste wines from all over. We're in, when, I mean, even 35, I've been, in, I've been doing this for 36 years for the family business. But uh, the, the, the thing is that the, the whole world of wine has grown even since then. They've all been in make, made in their countries, but all of a sudden now we have access to all these wines. So I think what that does is we're able to maintain our house style, which is heading mm -hmm. for the grape. What, what we, how do we want that personality of the vineyard really to express itself? And it, it's through the grape. And then Monse looks around and she, for instance, she's, if you ever get to talk to her, just ask her about yeast. Because her thing is that's that's where the real magic happens is picking the right yeast. And so she's actually reached back to Europe for many of the yeast that we use in all of our different wines. So oh, wow. um, because she realizes that there's this depth and, and things like that. Some, you know, some are done on the just the regular old, you know, that yeast is used for a few different things. But she's actually been able, been able to really hone into what it will offer when it when it interacts with the the in the fermentation process. So I think it's best, it's the best of both worlds and just knowing that you have this palette to work with out there from the soils, of course, weather you can't ever predict, but you know, we know what soils we have and we know the tools in the winemaker's toolbox to use to bring out the best in the grape. And this is what I'm always kind of talking about with Floyd is that there's, you know, there's, there's the obvious grapes, right? But I always tell Floyd like, winemakers don't need to source certain types of oak barrels. They don't need to go that extra mile and get something that's um, from, you know, a, a particular forest in France, or they don't need to get yeast from Europe. People can take shortcuts, but the overall quality in the wine really does come out when people do take those shortcuts. Like oak chips is my favorite shortcut. Like or yeah. the people that just kind of try to bypass Versus really pay attention to each step in the process. So I love the fact that you source from Europe when you don't have to. You can source from America, right? Right. Oh, yeah. But I'm just talking about the yeast. Or the yeasts are known like there's a Bordeaux yeast. There's a and there even from Italy. There's the Barolo yeast that she uses in one of our Zinfandels. But she's honed down to what will will bring the best out even during the fermentation process. So that was what I was talking about. Oh, that's awesome. All right, so let's transition to our next wine, which is right. the Pinot Noir. All right. Pinot. This one I have a lot of opinion on. <laughs> Julie, I hope you're ready. All right, well, I'll, I'll get my uh, get my vino in the glass here. Or Pinot, should I say. Pinot in the glass. <laughs> and so, let's talk. All right. Yeah. Floyd loves selling this wine, by the way. This is like – this. Yeah, this is like one of my favorite things about I, this. I can't say enough good things about this wine because honestly, it's it's a wine that I put a lot of customers onto. Like a lot of customers that come into the store. And in our podcast, we've tried, you know, the name brand stuff, Mayami. We've tried all these, you know, Josh's. We've tried all those things. But when people come to the store, they're usually looking for Mayami. They're looking for Josh. They're looking for these name brand Pinot Noirs. And I always say, listen, if you want to spend some good money and get a great wine for the price. Let me talk to you about pension jelly and people, you know, they, Oh, well, you know, I'm so used to this wine. I only drink this. My wife only likes this. My husband only, no, no, no. Trust me. Try this. 
you will come back and you will ask for more. And most of the customers I put this on this wine onto, they love it. They always come back because I just think it's a wine that it's made to please everybody. I, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. If once we start drinking more of these wines, I think that's what's great about this 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 winery is because it can it can hit every note that somebody's looking for. It it gets somebody happy about one specific thing they like about other wines. And I think that's, what's great about the Pinot Noir. And I, I move it all the time in my store. It's just one of those wines that I can consistently move and have customers come back for. I personally taste four different Pinot Noirs in this Pinot Noir. Like I taste something from Burgundy. I taste something from, you know, Russian river Valley. I taste something from Oregon. And of course I taste like just a twinge of the jammy, strawberry mass produced stuff too but it's 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 like a nice little cross pollination here you know yeah i actually liked it a lot oh wonderful well thank you both that well that's wonderful and high praise and i can't wait to share it with with monse and everybody on the winemaking team uh i this one is i have to agree well a it's my husband's favorite favorite wine of all that we make and he and i work together at the winery and uh it is, um, it's a Russian River Valley. So it's the only, only one we have outside of Dry Creek Valley, as far as Appalachian is concerned. These four vineyards, I think we do four vineyards in the vintage we're trying, which I believe is the 18. And um, we have, it's 100% Pinot Noir. They're picked over the course of about two weeks, kind of depending, but usually the first part of September, over the first two weeks of September. and. What I like about it, and it's interesting that you said you were coming from four different areas. I think all of those bring something to it as a blend. Um, some are uh, co-fermented and some are fermented separately, depending on when they come into the um, to the cellar. So another one other thing that Monse has found with the Pinot Noir is mm-hmm. we age this the least amount of time with all of our red wines. Um, it only sees French oak. And... Uh, but she only ages it for about eight months. We found out um, over the course of the length of time we've been making Pinot Noir, which is, well, we've been making Pinot Noir since the 1950s when we grew it on our property and then learned 20 some years later, we, Dry Creek Valley isn't the best spot for Pinot. So we started to source from growers down that area. Long story short, that shorter time, in, when we used to age it 12 months, 14 months, 16 months, you lost all of that delicate fruit. So Monse cut, cut back, cut back, cut back, and finally got to about eight months. And um, I think there's about 30 or 40% new, 30% new combined with seasoned barrels because that, again, helps to showcase. It doesn't over oak. It doesn't load uh, in the the oak elements, um, it, it helps to really let the Pinot Noir just speak for itself. So yes, I am so glad you like this one. It's I, I get a I get a lot of this tart cherry as an aftertaste too, and it's so funny you mentioned the French oak barrels. Like how often or how normal is it that Pinot Noir is left to age in French oak or oak at all? Because I kind of feel like it's split, right? Like it's, you don't always find that Pinot Noir needs to be in oak at all, but like a lot of people are doing it to enhance the flavors. Right. Well, and the barrel itself is there to help the wine just kind of get, a you know, there, there's some 
like Cabernet or Zinfandel, they have a little stronger, they're more tannin, they have heavier tannins. So there's something mm -hmm. you want to soften, of course, as the wine ages. Mm -hmm. With Pinot Noir, the, it's the other end of the spectrum. So you have very light, a light bodied wine, very, very soft, maybe rounded tannins, but nothing that's really heavy. So mm -hmm. um, putting it in oak for any longer, but putting it in for just enough time to just give it that nice, that, it just soften the wine a little bit. And, um, and I think it's a great combination. The fact that it isn't in there for a, a long time. And again, not a lot of new oak. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely like strawberry. It's not overly tannic, not overly dry. It just has a nice balance that kind of just can go with just about anything you're eating. Like I, 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 I always try different foods when it comes to like wine. I'm always like this person that throws anything at the wall and see what sticks and then try it. And like this wine was great. We had, um, I think I tried it with Italian hot dogs one time. I think I tried it with uh, fajitas one time. I just kind of thrown it out there. And like I've always said, it's just so versatile because it can, it can just blend with anything. That's what I, I think this Pinot Noir is so great about it because I think sometimes Pinot Noir is from California they're sometimes very soft. They're very, you know, some people might say they're a little too soft. They're not Burgundian or from Oregon where it has that punch kind of a little.